Welcome to the Rethinking Revenue Podcast, where CEOs, revenue leaders, investors, and go-to-market experts share hard-fought lessons of success and failure as they've prepared their businesses to evolve beyond the status quo. Now, let's meet your co-hosts, Ed Porter and James Roris. Ed is a fractional chief revenue officer and founder of Blue Chip CRO. He helps CEOs fix revenue problems inside marketing, sales, and customer success teams. James is a CRO's secret weapon. Creator of Wins Selling, he helps revenue leaders simplify sales success by developing cross-functional go-to-market teams and establishing certified sales pipelines. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody tuning in wherever you are. We're excited for today's show. We've got Patrick Baines with us. He is the founder CEO of PeopleLinks. Patrick, take it away. What What is PeopleLinks? What do you do? And tell us about the customers you serve. Sure. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, PeopleLinks is a, a, a services and software provider, but we help companies achieve um, their own uh, internal predictable and scalable source of lead flow. So there's a there's a lot of components uh, uh, to that that make that possible. But we work with clients to help them uh, within seven days launch their own lead gen system, and within ninety days have something that is optimize that they can then take themselves uh, to to scale and and go to market with much faster and more effectively. Um, so that's kind of the high level in terms of what we do. Happy to go into more detail around it, but we've been in business for 10 years. Uh, before this, I had raised a bunch of venture capital, uh, built a B2B software company, learned how to take things to market uh, the hard way, and then built this business really around making it much easier for other people to take their own things to market uh, much easier. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. And uh, my my friend and cohort here, James Royce, yeah. Jimmy. I know you and you and Patrick and People Links are are partnered up here. So yeah. thank you for for bringing him on. Um, you know, Patrick, going back to what was the who are the customers you serve today, and and kind of roll that back to the impetus for founding the company. What was the need, desire, and uh, how you kind of got into this market of serving these customers? Yeah, I mean, I think so one on our, our customers today and, and the direction that we continue to go in is where do we find the most successful clients? Like where can we create the most value? Who is our best customer? Meaning who gets the most value out of our stuff and who who likes us the most, who who wants to really do business with us and, and sees kind of the best results. And so um, in, in that vein, we focus on uh, companies that have a couple different attributes, but we look for people who have strong value proposition, strong uh, go-to-market sort of product market fit, uh, good, good go-to-market operations already established. Um, we like people that have a lot of their own data and good data hygiene around their like existing uh, uh, customers, past leads, kind of MQLs. All those things are great attributes, but what that looks like for us is things like um, financial services companies, people who pr provide business funding. So we have PE firms, private banks, banks, like everything in between on that spectrum. We've got like the solo entrepreneurs uh, that are that are providing financial services all the way up to like, you know, very large funding companies like Can Capital uh, and uh, uh, mortgage brokers, people who provide like home financing. Um, so that's one category. Um, we also have even like universities who use us for their alumni engagement. So they've got these large pools of, uh, of, of data and relationships that they need to stay in front of and activate to get uh, gifts uh, towards their annual funds. Um, those are a couple of big categories. Uh, another one that's been really big for us lately is catering, ironically. So turns out it's really easy to take food to market. So businesses buy food all the time. And so when you are a sales team doing outreach, offering catering, like people are really receptive to it. So for us as, as a system that takes people to market, 
finding folks who have really effective sort of go-to-market motions already where the market likes what they're selling makes our job easier, makes them more successful clients. And so we approach the market through that lens, which is, I think, how most companies should approach their own go-to-market. That being said, what we do applies to almost any B2B sales operation and, and many different sales operations. And our clients run the whole spectrum. So we get referrals from all different directions and we can help and support all different types of businesses. So we've got, you know, uh, Sandler training, the sales training franchisees, like they use us. We've got independent sales coaches. We've got independent consultants. We've got boutique marketing agencies. We've got startups. We've got fintech companies. We've got the whole the whole suite. And so we have a lot of different companies that we work with and help. Uh, but from a go-to-market standpoint, those are kind of the categories we focus on and we like to look at. And then, you know, how we got into this was, uh, again, when I introduced myself, I said, you know, I learned this the hard way. And then when I went to go start my next company, I thought, well, you know, what am I good at? And actually, it was kind of a two parts to the story. But I had an idea that was really product focused. It wasn't problem focused. And the first thing I did was create my own lead gen system. And so I was going to market with this product that I thought was like the greatest thing in the world. And I was doing a really good job of getting leads and bringing on customers and then one of those customers said, hey, how are you getting all these other clients? Could you do that for me? And it just was this light bulb moment connecting the dots. And I was like, wow, actually, yeah, we could do this for you. And he was willing to pay like 10x what our other customers were paying if we could help him generate his own leads. And so that deal, that first customer came on months before the pandemic uh, hit, which I think I think everybody here remembers the pandemic, if you guys were, were, were here when that happened. And and so that really transformed our business because it, it let us identify what was a really good customer for us during those times, which ended up being a great customer for us after the pandemic as well. And so like many other companies, we came out much stronger. Um, but it turned out that what we were good at was and still are good at is taking things to market, building these systems and and, and having the kind of all the key pieces, including technology to, 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 uh, uh, to help generate leads and go to market. So yeah, that's how we got here, and and that's a little bit about where we're at. Yeah, and and Patrick, I was been I've been along for the ride on some of that, and the uh, it's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot from you, and I think uh, one of the things that I'm impressed by is is the evolution of of the business, not from a big perspective, but from what the perspective that you mentioned earlier, the problem you solve. Uh, it would be great because when I've heard you talk about the problems you solve, it really does differentiate you beyond quote unquote, their lead generation programs. Can you talk more about the kind of environment that exists and the problems that exist that you are really well designed to solve? Yeah, I mean, look, if you backing backing up from from me, right, and, and from people links, if you look at business and, and business operations, they all have the same sort of uh, hurdles to 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 tackle, right, the same obstacles, right? So it's, who is our ideal customer? We have to have a little bit of strategy around thinking about well, how do we define our our customer or 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 our ideal customers, right? And so that's one part. That's like kind of the 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 first door you have to go through. So we help people think through that, and we bring a lot of best practice in terms of that. That's a problem for a lot of companies, right? Like it's like you try to reach everybody, you reach nobody. You try to do everything, you do nothing, right? So how do you how do you put that into a box? And so can I stop you there, Patrick? Too? Can I just interrupt? Because I, I don't want to I don't want to sure. skip over this because because <laughs> I think it's what I think is powerful is that you're helping companies that have been around for 10, 20 years, as well as you know, early stage organizations. So this idea of an ideal customer profile, right? If we're reaching out to folks, we might have a sense generally of who we're going after. And that might be enough for a salesperson. Right to figure out how to have a conversation and dig down, but you've got to you've got to leverage marketing that greets someone, oftentimes someone that we haven't been talking to at all, or that we're uh, or that we have known but haven't talked to in a while through email, for example, 
the product market fit or the the connection to the buyer has to be exquisite. I mean, it has to be really deep and on and on point. And I think the benefit I think of what you do is help people think about the things that that they're missing, those hidden uh, gaps in the conversations they're having with clients that they're not recognizing that they're missing or that they're having, but can't haven't yet figured out how to translate into an email or into a marketing campaign or a brand position that can really connect and drive interest. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Right. But I often say you don't, you can't even think about your message until you know your audience. Right. right. And so, right. Like, and, and, and then people will say this to me sometimes like, well, how can you, how can you tell us? And, and by the way, message, don't think about email, phone call, text messages, like none of those things matter. They, they, they will matter later and in practice. Sure. But once you know your audience, then you can start to think about what do they care about? And so I've had people ask me, they'll say to me, like, how can you, you know nothing about our business? How can you, how can you write our messaging or how can you take us to market? We don't, there's so many things about us that you just don't understand. We're so unique. We're so complex. That's great. That's fair. That actually has nothing to do with your next customer. The customer has things they care about. We need to know what they care about. What are their goals? What are their objectives? What are their challenges? What are they going? What, What is important to them? From there, we can start to define our message and 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 then get them curious to go, okay, how do you do that? Who are you? But you need to define these targets first. And there's a lot of ways we can think about that and talk about that. And so that's where we start is, is the starting place is, all right, let's think about who, not just our ideal customer profile. Like I'll tell people, you know, your business model is not your go-to-market strategy, right? Your business can work with anybody. That's fantastic for your business, but you don't go to market that way, right? And your customer profile can be all these different customers. That's fantastic. But when it comes to like rubber meets the road, you got to pick up the phone, you got to send an email, you got to do a sales thing. Who are you going to go after? Why are you going after them? And when you define all that and you start thinking about it in, in, in real clear terms, now you can think about, okay, what does that person really care about? And then you can get really contextual. Like if they're an accounting firm, man, they don't care about anything until after April 15th. Like they got work to do. After April 15th, there are things they care about. And you know what? Saving money might be one of them or capturing some new tax credit opportunity for the market, maybe another one, right? If you could think about now that I know the audience, it's very clear to me in terms of what is it that they care about. So you have to start there for sure. Love that. Love that. So, yeah. That, and that kind of opens it up to a, a lot of different things. You know, when you started doing this and you went at it and then you got calls pe- from people, hey, can you do this for me? You know, kind of going back to that, you you founded this in, in what, 2009 and, uh, you know, you've been at it for this long and, um or kind of re been at it, I guess you could say, but you've been at it for this. So, you know, the focus of our, uh, of our podcast is rethinking revenue. So when you've thought about this trajectory and starting the company, trying to deliver, inevitably you're doing the same thing for other companies that you're trying to do for yourself, right? You're trying to grow your business and build your business. So in that time of delivering products and services to customers, as well as trying to grow your company, what's, what's some ways or some things that you've done, or can you point to a milestone where you've had to rethink what you're doing, whether it be for clients or your own company? Yeah. It, 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 every level changes the game, you know, or I should say like the way you play the game changes at each level. Um, And so when you're starting as a, solopreneur, an entrepreneur, just you, maybe two, three other folks, um, the, 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 the same principles may apply, right? In terms of like, who, who are we going after? And, and now we need to still get like a list of those prospects. We need to know their contact details. We need to reach out to them with the right message. And we need to do all these things. Like those same principles will apply, but you need to kind of iterate continuously to, to unlock level one, level two, level three. And I'll give you an example, right? So when you, when you're starting out, you don't have, uh, 
uh, a customer, you don't have customers, right? You don't have many customers. You don't have a ton of customers. So you don't really know exactly who is my best customer, right? And that's this journey that you always are on, but you're really on it in those early days or you're always on it at those smaller levels. And so you have to probably think about your go-to-market in terms of like, let me, let me blend in five of my best guesses into one persona and try to unlock categories where I can sort of like, like your, uh, if you ever, if you ever gamble and you play roulette, like, let me put many chips on the table and see where I can get lucky. And then learn across the market where they're getting the best feedback, who's the most receptive, and then kind of iterate and go further and deeper in those in those various directions. Um, and once you find some traction, then your motions, your your strategy needs to change to where you're going, all right, now let me build what I call the stack, not like a not a sales stack or a tech stack necessarily, but like let me get my kind of credibility stack down in that in that category. So I mentioned catering for us has been a really good customer. Well, now I need to have, as you guys know, if you've been in sales, People are going to ask you for, you're going to need to first give anecdote around what this looks like for that type of customer. So let me talk to you about my results for other catering. Oh, you want to speak to a reference? I better have a couple of references. You need a case study. Yeah, I can now use a case study to go to market. And then you need to have all these things, maybe a couple of case studies, maybe some logos on your website, maybe a landing page. That's the stack that you will get to level two, for example. Now I can go to market so much faster because I got the whole stack here in terms of I can reach out to other you know restaurant groups with case studies, with logos, with customer references. When I have the sales conversation, they're going to move so much more quickly through the process because they're going to go check, 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 you got it. And then when they ultimately work with my team, it's going to go that much faster and that much more successful as well as they kind of land and expand. So those are the types of things that happen as you kind of start and grow from level to level. And then and then don't even get me started on sales operations because that's going to be the next set <laughs> of things that you got to kind of work on. Well, that's, that's a great, actually, segue into what you kind of talked about with this. You don't know who your customers are, but you have an idea. You're going to go do something, build that stack, and then and then really kind of start to evolve. So did you have any preconceived notions going into this of particular industries or buyers that you wanted to help serve? Or was it just, let's start somewhere and see what works and, and go from there? And that's going to be a quick bridge into where RevOps is, is really critical in this whole equation. Yeah, a bit. I mean, we joke sometimes about like me and my co-founder will joke about like if we had the crystal ball that could have told us everything. Right. And so nobody has that. You never know. Um, so it's always best guesses. Uh, and and then it's about like if I were to go back in time, if I did know better, you know, this, and then there's, there's also there's the other factor, which I don't want to dis, dis, disregard for those entrepreneurial folks out there which is like, sometimes you just got to pay the bills. You got to make money. You got to hit your number. Right. And so in those cases, you kind of take the gloves off and you, you, you fight the fight in whatever way to get the deals done, to get the, to get the, to, to hit your, to hit, to hit your number, to, 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 to make that, that, that nut happen for the month or whatever it is. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's about, um, you know, it, at least, at least for us, it's about, it's always about kind of taking a step back and thinking about like, well, I mentioned the pandemic being a turning point for us at that point we had to think about who's going to be a good client during the pandemic like it, it's not going to be um you know folks that have in-person businesses like they're the people who are really heavily impacted so we looked at like msps cybersecurity, people who had strong um customer bases that that their customers weren't going to be as impacted that their businesses weren't going to be impacted people who could still afford to spend and take some risk and so you do have to look at the environment a bit and 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 look at not just the external environment, but like what you have in, in your background. So like if I had nothing to work with, I would just use my own credibility, right? I'd look at my own stuff and I'd say, wow, I have experience working with tons of big brands financial, in financial services. So let me just take my experience with like 
Prudential and Allianz and these other brands. And I'll use that as the tip of my spear. Now I'll reach out to other financial services firms and say, hey, I've been working with Prudential and Allianz for the last 10 years. They don't know if it was me or my company, but suddenly I'm credible, right? So you just have to kind of take what you have, both internally and then kind of maybe what's going on externally, come up with the sharpest tip of the spear you can get. And maybe you have multiple things you're going to test uh, and then use that as a starting place. And I don't know if I answered the question well or not, but that's that's one way I think about that. Yeah, it's a great. Those are great points. Uh, maybe for our listeners, you can maybe talk a little bit about, you know, you, it, it sounds like in the story you just told, you guys have gotten really good, at, especially in the context of COVID. Anyone who's made it through um, that time got really good at pivoting, right? Or anticipating and then and then responding to change. What kind of systems or mechanisms or processes make it easier for you guys to anticipate and respond to change? Um. It's a good question. I, I I do think like you're always, I always like to think about things in terms of like scoring goals and being offensive, right? So I want to change on my own terms. And so when I think about that as a, as a, as a sales leader, marketing leader, you know, uh, uh, and I want to drive my own change, I always look at like, okay, we're going to go into a new market. We're going to expand in a certain market. And they, there's a saying out there, little logos build big logos. So one of the types of ways I would affect change that say, okay, let's get some of the little logos first in, you know, I'll use financial services again. So let me get a couple of these boutique firms, right? With the 20 to 50 or 20 to hundred employees. Let me get some of those logos, some of those case studies. Let me use those now because they have a similar business to the bigger boys, go to 500 to 5,000 and then go to the fortune 500 and use that to build my story. So that's me kind of affecting my own change in terms of how I go to market, how I go for bigger and, 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 and better customers, quote unquote. Um, the other way that you can do it is just data driven, right? Like that you, you that the, the numbers don't lie, right? So if you've been if you've made a thousand phone calls or five hundred phone calls and you only got you know ten meetings and one opportunity and it didn't close on one category, it's like mm, should we continue to do that or should we be adjusting course of it? Or is it our message or is it our target? And then you kind of have to make decisions because like what we're doing isn't working. But when what you have is working, then you look at, okay, how do we expand this? And how do we expand it intelligently? Um, and the devil's in the details with some of these things. And I can go into those details with you guys. But it, it that's the kind of thinking I put around it is like, I like to be, I like to force my own change when you can, like where the ball's in your court and you can be able to iterate in a proactive sense. Uh, and then if you have to react and, and kind of work uh, with external circumstances or things aren't going the way you want. It's a little bit of a different playbook. Yeah. So, so in that playbook discussion, you know, when you kind of thinking about iteration and changing direction and things like that, um, when you were building this, who did you have people, did you have a network that you could go to to ask advice? Did you have advisors or mentors or, um, community like that, where you could go to for this, or was these were these just in the entrepreneurial spirit? You're going to try to figure it out. Who did you go to for for help to try and understand when and if to pivot? Yeah, I mean, I could name drop all day. Like, there's so many people. I I actually I posted this a while ago, but I I used to not really under Arnold Schwarzenegger will say like he uh you know he's not a self made man. He you know stood on the shoulders of giants to and, and I was always like I don't really understand that. I mean, I kind of get the saying. I'm not really sure, but. What standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, essentially means that like anything that I have done or achieved or any problem I've solved or anything I've unlocked, it's literally because someone else, either they taught me along the way, I saw them do it along the way, or when I needed help at some point, someone I was able to call on someone and got a lesson uh, from them, or I got some advice that turned into a lesson and so forth. But like when I was really young, I mean, I mentioned my first business, we raised a bunch of venture capital. 
that let us tap into some really amazing key hires. Like we brought on, um, you know, CEO, CMO, VPs of sales folks that they came in with their playbooks. They came in and I was able to like sit right next to people and watch them build my company essentially. And they, they crushed it. And then I was able to have kind of the investors who came in and they would ask questions and they would talk about like sales enablement stuff that I didn't even know what they were talking about at the time. And then now it just echoes in my head every time I'm like putting together like a one pager or an enablement doc or this, that, or the other thing. So yeah, I've got a great network of folks I can call on. Um, and you know, you got, so you got different things for different levels, different folks for different problems. Sometimes you just need a soundboard. Sometimes it's a BCC email to a network of seven folks. That's a question. Hey guys, this is what I'm up against. This is what I need. And like three of them get back to you and pass it along and you get intros problem solved. Like I just hired a COO two months ago and I was up against this operate. I was scaling, we're growing things. The wheels are coming off. We're growing so fast. And guy kind of coaches me too. Hey, you probably need a COO. I'm like, oh yeah, wow, that makes so much sense. I suck at management. I suck at leadership. And like, I'm trying to do this and be the selling person and all these things. He's like, yeah, hey, do this, do this, put together a BCC email. Your network will get back to you. Like within an hour, I get an intro to the the dream candidate. He's available. We meet. I'm like, how do I not know this person already? He's hired. Wow, He's hired. very cool. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 advice. It's it's connecting dots. It's all that stuff. But yeah, you have to stand on the shoulders of giants in some in some cases. Love that. So, uh, so Patrick, uh, back to the topic at hand. Uh, when we think about our listeners, we think about folks that are they're challenged by the issues that, are, that are, they're facing today. Maybe a slowing economy, maybe a customer base that um, isn't growing as much, or maybe a customer base that's really changed their buyer behaviors, right? Because, for example, um, we have, in fact, worked with some catering folks as well who have been used to having a real easy job of closing six figure deals with, with big brands, but now those brands are spending less money and now they have to adjust. So if you think, if you're thinking about businesses and owners and sales leaders and CROs that are facing challenges that they haven't faced before uh, and have to adjust, what kind of advice or recommendations can you give for that to them as a first, second, third step? Yeah. Uh, well, it's always, it's, it, it's kind of back to this point around what do we have to work with? You know, and I, I will, I'll, I'll start with like, you know, thinking about where do you have the best story to tell today? Like, do you have a customer in a category that we can take that customer and like just showcase them to other people like them? Like that's always a good strategy, right? So if I've got one customer who's been with me for two or three years, they love me. They're a great reference, man. They give me a case study. They write me a Google review. They do a little video testimonial for me. I got that in my back pocket. Like I'm taking it out of my back pocket and I'm putting it in the window and then I'm going to go shop it around to everybody else like them. Right. That's always a good strategy. So, you know, and again, if you're dealing with economic issues, well, who is it impacting? Right. So so don't focus on the markets that are really hurting right now. Uh, if and I, I've heard that the housing market's in a tough space. So I'll use that as an example. Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but like I'm not going to be going after you know, mortgage brokers or real estate companies, if they're in a down market where they're not spending and they're kind of pulling back at this time, right? That maybe wouldn't be, so I'm not going to take my best real estate client and go shop it to a, a, a hurting market. But if it's a booming market in, uh, you know, whatever, uh, let's use like landscaping as an example, because I actually just brought on this great corporate landscaping client and they're doing extremely well. It's been, been kind of a fun journey. It's like, wow, I've only got one landscaping client. Seems like it's a big market out there. And they're so happy with us. There'll be a reference. There'll be a case study. And man, I can go out after all the other ones now and tell this really cool story. Like they're not affected and I'll go into the Southern states. So they're, they're booming. It's the, it's, it's not winter. People are still spending on landscaping, like whatever. So you have to think about those things, but I would start with what you have to work with. Where can you tell the best story? Then, then go deeper, go, go, uh, go further there. 
and and adopt and adapt that offensive attitude. Yeah. And the, the other thing here too, is like for a lot of companies, um, there's sometimes an opportunity in, in, in go to market to think about like, who's, a, who's, who's, a, where do you get referrals? Who's a good referral partner? Because sometimes when you do go to market it, from a partnership standpoint, that's a money maker, not a money taker, right? So you're reaching out to people saying, Hey, James, Hey, Ed, would you like to earn whatever your average referral fee is 10 to $15,000, you know, in, in a referral every month? Um, cause I partner with other you know, fractional CFOs or other sales consultants uh, to bring our solutions to market. And there may be an opportunity for us to work together where you could earn this much per year. And I'm starting to put big numbers like aspirational outcomes to it. And now these folks are going to make time to meet with me and those could be one to many referral sources. So thinking about things in those types of ways is, is going to be helpful as well. But like, where's the best story you can tell? Where are you going to get the best bang for your buck? Uh, and then put some, put some motions around that. Yeah, very cool. So big question, Patrick. Um, think about 2004 coming up. Uh, what's your vision? What do you see happening? What should uh, leaders be thinking about? What should leaders be be concerned with? Any thoughts? I mean, sales leaders should be thinking people links, people links, people links. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. But, <laughs> Very nice. But uh, no, I mean, it's it, look, it's people. People will say this to me sometimes too. They'll be like, "Well, maybe we should wait until the new year to do this." Or, "What do you think about this going into the holidays?" Or this, this, this. Look you're in business 365 days a year. Your customers are in business 365 days a year. Like there's always, there's never a bad time or never, a, sometimes there's maybe better times, but like you have to have your, excuse the expletive, you have to have your shit together in one way or another all the time, right? So whether it's 2024, 2025, or go back to the pandemic, like you gotta be on the field. You gotta be thinking smart, working with what you have, thinking about the external environment and so forth. So I, I think that there's a lot of cool things going on out there. Like I think the dust is far from settled around AI and dust is far from settled around all these other things, but have the right fundamentals, find out what's working. What do you have to work with? Double down on it. You know, uh, if it's not working, scrap it or iterate, you know, and then people links, people links, people links. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Open and closing with it. Love it. So in, so that's kind of getting ready for 24 and, and even ongoing um, you know, hindsight's 2020 and looking at what you've done in the past. And I'm sure like many, you'll, you've, you've probably made mistakes, learned along the way, iterated, continue to go. What's, you know, if you were to, if you, if you're talking to one-on-one -on -one with a particular entrepreneur growing his or her company right now, is there something that you would do differently or one thing that you kind of do differently that you'd give a recommendation to that founder, or that leader that's trying to grow their company and maybe at the brink of pulling their hair out? Um, so one kind of piece of advice you'd want them to hear. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, nobody got fired for hiring IBM, that whole saying, if you've ever heard mm -hmm. that, right. So like, mm -hmm. I, I actually reached out to an entrepreneur. This guy wasn't, he used to be a client of ours at a previous company. And then it's been about a decade since I talked to him, he launched a new company. Uh, I'm not going to drop his name because I don't embarrass the person or anything, but I was curious because I was seeing all of his posts on LinkedIn. It looks like this exciting market, exciting opportunity. The guy worked at Tesla before and now he's doing something in the electric vehicle space. It looks really, really interesting. And I go on his website and it looks like he just got out of like a startup incubator or like he's hasn't even gotten into a startup incubator. Like it just looks rookie. Right. And he's got all the right stuff from in terms of what I think is potential. But my advice to anybody is like, and this is from my old CEO, Kevin O'Neill, I say, look, step on the field like you've done it a thousand times. So whatever it is that you're going to do, at least show up like you've done it a thousand times, even if you're, you know, fake it till you make it type of a thing. So if you're going to go into a new market, if you're going to go do a new thing, get, get, get your, get your ducks in a row, like get, make sure the website looks pro find another website. You like make your model yours after that. Right. Don't, don't show up like it's your first rodeo and don't present yourself. Like I saw, I even watched the demo video and it's like, I want to tell you about my new company. 
dude, no customer wants to hear that. <laughs> like, like the, I want to tell you about the, the opportunity that we're solving for the automotive industry at this massive scale. Like talk about the big company, be IBM, right? Be the big company that people don't, don't present risk in yourself as you go to market. So that would be my advice to anybody is like, step on the field like you've done it a thousand times, be IBM, show up in that way, whatever it is you're doing, going into a new market, you know, growing, whatever the thing is, launching a new product, a new service line, just don't tell people that it's new and that they're the first customer and like, don't, don't do those things. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> don't don't bring them into your insecurity and into your... Yeah, do that, do that with a customer maybe. Talk to them, hey, do you want to try a new thing? Right, we're doing this thing or we'll give you a... But don't go to market that way. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'd like to go to market the way you guys, the way you recommend going to market. I mean, understanding your buyer at such a detailed level, uh, when you think about rethinking revenue, um, you know, if the old ways aren't working, if what had your business on rails um, isn't working, taking that offensive attitude, being curious, asking those questions, but not necessarily taking big swags, looking at a market and then getting deep, understanding the market to the point where you know that buyer intimately, you know, exactly how they think so you can present them with a value proposition that resonates. It's not working too hard. They read it. They say, oh my God, this guy gets me and they're ready to roll. So having that ability to distill um, your understanding of the market down to the buyer level, down to that conversation level, uh, that's what I'm taking away from today, Patrick. And, and 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 to add to that, in the most aspirational terms possible for that person, right? So yeah. don't just tell them what you think you can do for them in a in a small sense, like in a few words. Put it in this, put it a range to it. Make it as big and bold as it can be. I always say put teeth on it, right? So don't just say, I think I can help you increase revenue, if that's your value prop. Say, I may be able to help you earn twenty to $50,000 more per month or five to $50,000 more per month or some great, well, oh my gosh, that sounds really good. You know, like give them something that's meaningful. Like, and then now they're going to grab onto that and they're going to go, okay, I want to know more about that. So be aspirational. You don't know until they're a customer. You don't know until they get further down the, the funnel or the conversation, what the, it, what you can actually do. But I've helped clients earn millions and millions in revenue. And I've had clients that have just gotten, you know, whatever, a couple of tens of thousands of dollars of deals, whatever the case is, there's a spectrum. Uh, so I can fairly say, Hey, I may be able to help your business get anywhere from $50,000 to $5 million in revenue a year. Are you open to a conversation? Like, well, sure. But if I say I can help you increase sales, it's like, go go pound sand. You know, who cares? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, sounds good. So in closing, Patrick, where tell, tell everyone where they can find you, how to find people links, how to find you. Um, downtown Philadelphia in the summers, Puerto Rico in the winters, <laughs> and uh, LinkedIn, uh, Patrick Baines, peoplelinks.com. I'm not hard to find. All right, man. Well, this is... Uh... This has been Patrick Baines. We've been really delighted to have you on, my man, and uh, always learn a lot when we have you on uh, the show. Ed, thanks for hosting. Um, and listeners, we'll be back again with another podcast real soon. Uh, we'll see you then. Thanks a bunch.